privilege you have. Excuse me, you have that uh, that power. Alright. I'll tell you what, uh, Ms. Jack, you just tell me when you're ready. Okay. You good? Yep. Alright. Well, again, um, we are, are thankful for continuing to uh, press through Romans. Um, I thank God for those that uh, uh, filled in last week. I know you all uh, did Romans 10 and continue with that study. And so I. I thank God for Reverend Gibbons and all those, um, uh, Minister Green, all those that uh, continue to press along with not just the study, uh, deacons as well with the uh, prayer prayer meeting. Um, I'm going to go back Romans 10 just kind of go through a few things. So if you've got those PowerPoints, uh, we'll go ahead and pull those out. Uh, and then uh, we'll, we'll press through Romans 11 as well. Um, again, what about... Two and a half, three months ago, I was arrogant enough to believe <laughs> that we would have this thing done in about a month and a half or so. A month and a half, two months. And that that right there just shows my my immaturity. Um, but uh, we thank God for the, for the opportunity to literally go chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Uh, I'm praying that he will continue to, to walk with us in this. See what? Let's open up in prayer and then we'll dive, we'll dive right into it. God, again, we come to you. Father God, just asking you that you to breathe on this, on this lesson for us, Father God. And the depths of it, and the mysteries of it, Father God, we can't even begin to tackle it without uh, your spirit walking through uh, this place with us. And so we're praying right now for a fresh dose. We're praying, Father God, that uh, Learning about this, Father God, that uh, you want us to have, Father God. You give strength right now for the teaching. You give strength to those that are here. And so, Father God, we just ask you for your grace and ask you for your mercy for the next 45 minutes. This is your son's sake, Father. We ask all these things. Thank you for those that join us online tonight. Amen. Again, I, I just told those that are on site with us, and for those that are joining us um, online, um, I am fighting a, a little cough. I believe it's allergies. Um, um, so just bear with me. I'll try not to hack a hack up a lung during, during this study. But uh, bear with me. I do have a cough drop in now, and I'm praying that that will help. Uh, Romans 10. And, uh, and, and we've had an opportunity to check 9. Two weeks ago, um, in, in sermons, we dealt with 9, 10 as well. Um, we've already talked about how it appears, we're here, here Paul was going with his doctrine, Paul was dealing with this um, salvation, if you will. He salvation, you know, salvation uh, comes by what? By faith. He, he was tackling this, and then out of nowhere, what? He deals with the Israel nation, 9, 10, and 11. And it almost appears again. Uh, that this was just put in the middle out of nowhere. When we talked about um, that, what Paul does, uh, and I think I opened up weeks ago, months ago, Paul creates almost a courtroom scene, right? That's what he's doing. And, and he's anticipating the arguments that would come from the Gentile and also the Jewish nation. And so he anticipated one of the arguments that would come out 
is that if you're talking about God and you're talking about how righteous he is, then how in the world can you explain why the Jewish nation right now, who quote unquote is the chosen nation, the chosen people, how in the world can you tell me that, that God and all this is sovereign and they are rejected? And so that's why we're dealing in 9, 10, and 11. That's why Paul um, really doesn't pause, but that's why Paul almost pulls back, if, if you will, to answer these questions. Is how can God's people reject them? We're talking about as a nation. All right, when you're reading this 9, 10, and 11, you have to be careful saying, wow, that means those Jewish people can, can be saved. No, 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 no. You've got to make sure you're understanding. Are we talking about the Israel nation as a whole, or are we talking about individuals? When you're reading 9, 10, and 11, most of the time we're talking about Israel as a, as a nation. Israel as a nation, the Jewish nation, has rejected Jesus, has rejected the gospel. All right, I'm saying, well, what's, what's the big deal? The law, the Old Testament, pointed to Jesus. And so they almost got to jump on it, if you will. But still as a nation. They rejected. All right, and so the question was, how in the world can you say that, that God is who He is, but the Jewish nation, who were His chosen ones, rejected? All right. So again, that's nine, ten, and eleven. I just want to make sure we we're all on the, on the same page, if you will, on why why that's important. So in nine, we dealt with uh, Israel's past election. All right, and again, we've said it before. If you have a problem with with Israel being the chosen people. You're not going to be able to read the Bible. You can't be anti-Semitic and, and, and really understand scripture. You can't. They are the chosen nation. And even though there's a, a pause, if you will, and we'll talk about that in, in 11, God will keep his promise. And he will bring back the Israel nation. There's almost a pause, if you will, right now for the Gentiles. Guess what the Gentiles are? That's us. Yeah, that's us. But he will. Everything that he promised in the Old Testament to the Jewish nation, it will come to fruition. All right? So the first part is in, in chapter 9, we dealt with Israel's past election. In chapter 10, and we'll review that, but we're, deal, we're dealing with Israel's present rejection. All right? And in chapter 11, we're going to deal with Israel's future restoration. So let's just kind of, again, I know uh, Reverend Gibbons. I've dealt with this last week, and I, I won't take all the time on it, but I do want to walk through 10 to make sure there's no questions or, or any concerns, all right? So, um, if we're looking at we're looking at Romans 10, Israel needs the gospel. Uh, that's a subscript on my on my Bible right there. And I think that sums, up, that sums it up real nice. We've already wrestled with the idea that um, uh, the Jewish uh, issue was they felt like everybody else needed the gospel, right? Everybody else needed to be saved. And so Paul, who is a Jew, now if there's anybody who can talk to the Jews about you need to get your, get your stuff in order, it's Paul. Paul himself said he's what? He's a Jew of Jews. Paul sat at the feet of Gamaliel. Paul was a, was a Benjamite, right? He, he, if there was a Jew out there who could make it by works, it would have been Paul. And, and Paul clearly could not make it by works or works alone. Alright? So let's look at this. So the three aspects of Israel's 
rejections. And, and again, I know I preached a little bit this, of this, and Reverend Gibbons has gone through a little of this. The reasons for their rejection, the remedy for their rejection, and the results of the rejection. Uh, when we talk about the, the reasons for their rejection, again, they felt like they, they did not need the, they had no need for salvation, right? And Paul was one, he, he said, look, I understand this. Because I was right there with you. You know, Paul, Paul's got a rough history. It wasn't by chance that Paul uh, uh, spent so much time in, in prison. But what did Paul spend a lot of his years doing? Putting Christians in prison. And we know that we know that God used that, but at the same time, it's a powerful picture that you never get away with anybody. Even Paul, uh, even Paul uh, spent those last years, many years, in prison. But so he understood that the stance that uh, they felt like they did not need salvation. Israel again considered the Gentiles in need of salvation, but not them as Jews, right? <coughs> Um, even when you talk about um, uh, the, the Pharisees, well, Jesus wrestled with the whole time, right? He wrestled with them. But the Pharisees always felt like it was the other folks that needed working on. And, and, and Jesus had to come to them and said, no, it's you, right? And those parables, they, we've got some of these parable records, um, they, they talk about that. Um, the prodigal son, right? Part of the son talks about that. And not to a lot of us we think it's about the son that ran away. And that's a good story. Nothing wrong with the son that ran away. But the son who stayed, who thought he was high and mighty. That's really what the curtain is about, right? And that's, that's a good picture. That's a good picture for all of us. So so they felt like they did not need the uh, they had no need for salvation. It was really for everybody else. They were zealous for God. I preached that, right? I preached that we could be on quote unquote fire and we can have all these titles and we can have all this movement and not know the Lord. Alright? And that's what verse 2 is talking about. They had a they had a zeal. They had an excitement for God. But it wasn't according but according to knowledge. They had all the works, all the ceremonies, all the sacrifices. They knew exactly when to sacrifice it, how to sacrifice it, and how to cut it. They still didn't know the Lord. And I said it, and I'll keep on saying it as long as the Lord allowed me. That's why you can have folks that come in here, and they got all the church stuff down. They can be in the pulpit, and got all the pooping and all that down, and go straight to hell. They were proud and self-righteous. Well, Israel was ignorant to God's righteousness because they refused to learn. They were proud of their own good works and religious in religious self-righteousness. Right? That's, that's 10, 1 through 3. They even misunderstood their own law. And we talked about that. The law itself. Now, let's make sure, make sure we're getting this. Is there anything wrong with the law? Nothing wrong with the law, right? The law was a good thing. It just has no saving element within it. Yeah. Yeah, it could not, it, exactly, it could not get us to salvation. It should point us to it. But because of our carnal nature, we worship, if you will, the law. Alright? So let's, let's make sure uh, that, that we understand that. Don't, don't say, well, shoot, I'm going to start reading the Old Testament. There ain't nothing in there for me. No. 
Nehemiah, that was some good stuff. And they had that. They had that at their disposal. And instead of it being a positive, it was a stumbling block. Because again, they worshiped, look, just like us today, we worship the choir. That's right. I hear some folks saying, and nothing wrong with the choir. Church I just, my, my, one of my home churches. Fantastic. I'll put that choir up against any choir in these United States. But if you come just for the choir, if you come even just for the preacher, you're in trouble. I don't mean that you can't be excited about your, 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 um, you know, the Lord is there to preach. You're following a man, you're in trouble. So they misunderstood their own law. If you come, and I know I'm kind of flipping through this, go over that charts at Miss Jackie. And again, I know you all went through this, so I'm not trying to do things over again. Alright? So let's look, when we talk about the wrong righteousness in Romans 10, right? Let's look at that. So the left side is going to be the law of righteousness. Okay? That's going to be if, if that's going to be my own work right there, right? I've said it before. If you're going to try to get into heaven, if you're going to try to get into glory by your works, then God's going to let you do it, right? He's going to let you do it. And the problem with that is that you, the law, if you're going to do the law, it's got to be perfect. Because you're dealing with a perfect God. So he'll let you do it. If you raise your hand and say, I want to get in by the law of righteousness, I want to get in by the law, you'll say, well, go right ahead. But you better be careful because you've already messed up. You've already messed up. Right? Because none of us can be perfect. Right? We talked about it. All you got to do is say, don't touch something. What's the first thing we do? We need somebody's kids and talking about us. We're talking about, we're talking about us. So the law shows us our shortcomings. Right? Nothing wrong with the law. So, the law of righteousness. Again, all this is only for the Jews. That's, that's that cockiness, right? If I'm dealing with the law of righteousness, my, my thought is that only all this is only for the Jews. When we're talking about a faith righteousness, it's for whosoever. Right? If I'm talking about a law of righteousness, I'm talking about it's based on my works. If I'm talking about a faith righteousness, it comes by faith alone. If I'm talking about law of righteousness, it's a self-righteousness. Again, I'm trying to get in because I'm so good. If I'm talking about a faith righteousness, though, the only way I can stand before a perfect God, if I'm not perfect, is by way of Jesus. He has to be in between me and God. If not, I get to stand up there by myself. And I already messed up. I messed up about, about 8.15 this morning. I woke up about 7.45. I messed up by 8.15. And if I'm going to be judged on that, I'm in trouble. And you are too. The law of righteousness cannot save. Faith righteousness brings salvation. Again, we talked about that. Only thing, look, the, 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 uh, speeding, the speeding limit, that sign right there, is that going to stop you from speeding? It tells you that you're speeding. It's telling you that you broke the law. But look, there's enough of us. We got enough tickets to know that this sign right there does not stop us. Right? 
And then law of righteousness says obey the Lord. Right? It's, it's telling me that everything in here, the commandments that Moses got, did, I've got to obey it, I've got to do it, I've got to do it. But faith righteousness says call on the Lord for it. Because there's no way I can keep the commandments of my life. Alright? Gotcha. <coughs> the next part is the remedy for their rejection. Read a little bit of that because I think there's some there's some in there that I do want to kind of touch on. 14 through 17. And this is one that we've heard. You hear preachers, uh, especially on uh, pastoral anniversaries and all this stuff. You hear this. Let's kind of walk through. How then shall they call on him? This is 14, 10 and 14, whom they have not believed. And how shall they believe in him whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad, glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's look at this real quick because I, I think it, it is it's so poetic and so beautiful. A lot of us will end our sermon with that, we'll go hallelujah and all that. We have to be careful with that because again, the key with 9, 10, and 11 is you have to figure out who is Paul's audience. And so we want to use this as an evangelistic tool and say, yeah, I want to go preach and, and, and all that, and there's nothing wrong with it. That can be a, a, an afterthought, if you will, but the original thought right here is Paul dealing with the Israel nation. Alright? Again, to be a good Bible student, the first thing that you have to do is you have to read, try your best, pray to the Lord, get all the tools that you need, but try to read and understand that passage as it would have been first presented to that audience. I know I say it all the time, but you can't read that passage and say, man, that's all that's about I'll be told. I'll be told been hurting all week. And look, the Lord done wrote about it. Now you, somewhere down the line, your, your toe may come into play. But I can guarantee you, centuries ago, when they wrote that, it wasn't about your big toe. Alright? So make sure as a good Bible student, your first understanding this as it, as it would have been first presented to Paul's original audience. Right? Yeah. So that's, that's what that bullet is. This passage can be used to point to church missions. However, its first application is to the original, to the Israel nation. Alright? So the Jews must believe and call on the Lord for salvation. This again encompasses the idea that believing in Jesus is the Son of God and the cross. That's it. That's it. What we try to do is we try to add to it. That's what the Pharisees did, right? <laughs> Pharisees, they tried to add even to the law itself. God said, no, no, no. It never was meant to be added to. Alright? And then you kind of go into the uh, to the uh, poetic, um, if you will, unfolding of it. I, I, really what Paul's doing, he's asking a question. That's why he comes home to be careful. He's saying, have, have they not heard? Have the Jews not heard? They're saying, no, you've heard. Have I not sent you prophets? Have I not sent you preachers? 
No, I'm still. You're still blind. You still can't hear. No ears, no hear, right? Alright? So again, what Paul is trying to do is he's trying to show, he's trying to show them that, that you've had this. You've had this at your disposal. And you didn't need the Lord. In fact, you killed it. You killed my prophets. You killed my, my ultimate prophets. This idea of this herald of how beautiful are the feet. Let's make sure that we that we understand that. Um, the heralds uh, in those days, we didn't have we didn't have internet, right? And so the messengers would have been by foot, all right. And so if you look if you look in the distance and you see those coming, coming with the good news. And this passage right here is it, it, actually good news. But they're coming with the good news. It's this idea of but how, how, how beautiful are those feet right there that I see mm-hmm. bringing that good message? Yeah. That's where that where that is. I had a preacher lesson one time. Good lesson. I forgot who it was. It was one people. I've been Dr. People. But I don't know if it's Reverend Sam People. But, but, but he, he likened that to us right now as preachers. And same thing with you all as well. We've got to be careful where you go. Yeah. You be careful what you do. That's not, that's not necessarily in that text right there, but it's stuck with you. Yeah. It should be, look, when you, when you see my, my movements as a preacher should be such. They line up different yeah. than the rest of the world. So that message that they bring, of course, the message that we're talking about is the gospel message, right? Yeah. How beautiful is the one that brings that message. But again, Paul is saying, I know it's beautiful, I know it's po- poetic, but he's really spanking the bottom. He's saying you've had all this. You've had those that have brought the message. You've heard the word. When Isaiah points and says, Who has believed our report? Paul brings that in in Isaiah chapter 10. Indicate that you've already heard the report. Same thing, but my job, whenever the Lord leaves, leaves uh, or moves me from Cedar Top or whatever, I want to be able to say, Nobody has an excuse. Nobody has an excuse. They heard the gospel. Every single Sunday, they heard the gospel. Every Tuesday, they heard the gospel. Every Wednesday, whenever I came here, they heard the gospel. Mm-hmm. And anybody said, well, no, I didn't, I didn't. I was at Cedar Top for a couple years, and I didn't, I didn't hear it now. And that should be all of us. All of us, <coughs> teachers, all of us. Our goal should be that when, whenever we have the opportunity, we expose them to the gospel. And again, the herald, we understand, must be sent by the Lord. It's interesting. Um, Romans 10, 15 is found in Isaiah 52, 7, and Nahum 1 and 15. Of course, that Nahum account, uh, let's see the Bible students. That's the Assyrians, right? And that's going to be, uh, uh, what's, what's the capital of Assyria? That's Nineveh. Nineveh, right? Nineveh is who? That goes back to Jonathan. And so finally, what you see God's patience in it. But finally, in Nahum, it's saying that that nation is going to be destroyed. But you remember, you remember Jonah? That's why Jonah was upset. Jonah wanted to destroy it right then. They had messed up, and now you're going to mess around and save them? And they repented for a second, right? But if you read that passage in Nahum, ultimately, they will be destroyed. And that was that herald. That was coming with that good news for the Jews that your enemy did not mm-hmm. 
So again, the remedy, the remedy for the uh, uh, for the rejection, we understand is is is, is believing in, in Christ. So the results of the rejection, that's 18 through 21. <coughs> we understand they're guilty, right? We, we talked about that. You reject them, you're guilty. That's, that's what we that's what we dealt with in those first couple chapters of um, of Romans, right? We, we left we left those first couple chapters with the idea that everybody was guilty. The Jews wanted wanted just uh, everybody else to be guilty, but 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 Paul breaks it down to show no 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 you're guilty you're guilty as well. So we understand the fact that rejected that that the Jews are guilty. Uh, we also understand now that because of that rejection, the message goes to who? The Gentile. And I, we'll talk a little bit about 11 if we get an opportunity. But there's an order to this. But when, when Paul went into the cities, where did he first go? To the synagogues. Right? The message goes to the Jews first. There's a method to this. So the message went to the Jews first. They rejected it. And what happens? It's opened up for the Gentiles. And guess again, who are the Gentiles? That's us. That was your shouting part right there. That was your shouting part. As a result of the Israelites uh, rejecting the gospel, it was opened up to the Gentiles. And you're saying, why did he? That's his, that was his plan. Don't tell you why he did that. I, you know, I won't ask him. And he does not, God will. So Israel rejected, and God, through his grace, sends the message to the Gentiles. This was an act of grace for the Jews as well. They were moved to jealousy. That's a powerful part right there. Um, now, the Lord is using the Gentiles, if you will, as a, as a testimony to the Jews. So we get an opportunity now to be a testimony to God's goodness to the Jews. I was listening to some to um, a good theologian this morning and he was talking about uh, even in intentional fashion we should be um, still exposing the Jews to the gospel. I, I thought that I thought that interesting. You know, the church, one of the church's job is to, to literally intentionally expose the Jewish nation to the gospel. That is the rule. And whatever you want to do with it, God will again restore the Jewish nation. And so we, we really have an obligation to the Jewish nation. We talk about, we're going to talk a little bit about 11. We don't have an opportunity to boast. This is just an awesome privilege the Lord, the Lord has given. So Jews and Gentiles will say it the same way. The legalistic Jews were in opposition. We understand that. Um, the message goes to the Gentiles, and God still yearns over his people. Verse 21, and we'll, we'll end this and go into 11. But to Israel, he says, all day I have stretched out my hands to disobedient and contrary people. All right, so again, we understand that individual Jews are still being saved. But we also understand that God yearns to see the nation that he chose. He yearns to see them saved. And that's going to take us now into that. Any questions? Any questions on 10 again? I know you did that last week, but I just want to make sure that I covered some, 
some some high points on that. Any any questions on team? Feel pretty good about the end? Okay, alright. Well now let's look um let's look at a let's look at eleven. And we're still dealing we're still dealing with sovereignty, if you will. And again, uh, Wearsby, Warren Wearsby, I like what he does with this. Um, and for those, again, that are wondering where some of these nuggets are coming from, the right edition of Warren Wearsby on Rome. But I, I like how he breaks, I like how he breaks this down. And in chapter 11, um, he, 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 when he does it, it's correct. He, we deal with Israel's future restoration. Alright? So again, um, you all are good Bible students. Um, if somebody comes in here and they start preaching on chapter 11, and everything they talk about applies to, to where we're at right now, and I don't see some of y'all scratching your head, I'm going to be like, that is this. Because literally when you're talking about 11, you have to be careful with it. I said that you can't teach them and preach it. But you have to understand that this is that you're really dealing with the Israel nation. Alright, so we get in there and say, well, shoot, this is all about Cedar Top right here. In 50 years, he's talking about Cedar Top. No, no, no. He's talking about the Israel, the Israel nation. Okay? So, um, so let's, let's look at this. Um, the nation of Israel, and again, you all are, you all are aware, and it's always, it's, the nation of Israel is a nickname for you. Look, God preserved them, but they didn't even have a name. I mean, you can even see the unrest over there right now. It's, it's always been an interesting, an interesting nation. Right. And you see God's hand upon Look, even where they're at right now, for them to still be preserved. And I understand that you've got something relocated and all that, but to be where they're at right now, uh, in, the, in the midst of where they're at, you can see God's, God's hands. Upon them. Romans 11 is going to be the proof that God is not done with the Israel nation. Alright, and I've already talked about it. We have to be careful in applying this chapter to the church today. This chapter is going to literally talk about a future for a literal nation. Alright? But again, it, it's critical that we study this because I don't want you to tune out. It's critical that we study this because again, the question is, is, is God's promises true? Alright? And we leave this saying that if, if, if his promises for them is true, then his promises for me are true. Alright? That's, that's what we get out of That's what we get out of here. He uses five, five witnesses, if you will, in this chapter. He uses himself. I'm talking about Paul. He uses the prophet Elijah. He, he uses the Gentiles. He uses the patriarchs as Isaac. You know, Abraham is the father. That's what patriarch is. And then he uses God himself to prove um, that the Israel nation uh, will not only be preserved, what he said in the Old Testament will stand true. Alright? Yeah. So let's, let's, let's kind of break this down. Uh, we've, got, we've got a few minutes, I think. <coughs> Lord's strength, we'll get, we'll get through this. So Paul himself, so again, the idea is God is not through with Israel. God is not through with Israel. 11.1. 1. 
I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I also am an Israelite, of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. Alright? So Paul first uses himself as a, as a witness to the perseverance of the nation. And he really talks about, um, he really talking about his conversion. Alright? What's unique about his conversion? The, the Damascus Road experience. What's unique about that? Look, did any of you all get blinded? Now, I'm, not talking, I'm not talking about in a literal sense or in a, um, a figurative sense, but anybody, any of you all get get, meet, get met Jesus blinded on the road? We had a unique experience, right? In fact, the experience is so unique it's mentioned three times in Acts alone, but Acts 9, 22, and 26. He even refers to himself as a as one that was born an apostle, born out of due time, right? So let's look at Paul's conversion. Again, somebody kind of tell me, what happened with his conversion? On that Damascus Road. Anybody remember? Yeah, it was knocked down. Yeah. Who knocked him down? Who knocked him down? Yeah. And, and, and he came up what? He came up blind. What's that? Yes, man, Ananias. Yes, ma'am. No, Ananias had heard about it, right? So this this picture right here of Paul of being saved again. We already talked about it. Paul was Paul was not a good dude. Paul, we, we I think we said it two weeks ago. Paul literally watched a man get stoned to death. Paul said, "Look, my arm hurt right now. I don't want to throw the stone, but I'll hold you." I'll hold your jackets for you. Everybody just throw your jackets over here. That way you can you get a good shot. And they watch Stephen. Stephen be stoned. Alright? Paul had put people in prison. And uh, but Paul wouldn't have been doing Paul saying, oh, take a look at my conversion. Take a look at how the Lord uh, held back in the long suffering. And kind of let me walk through some stuff. I have to find myself and then convert. Alright? So he's using himself as an example. Again, he's saying, I'm a Jew of Jew. That's why you say Benjamite and all that stuff. But whenever you read the Old Testament, you're saying, why do you got all these names? And what? That's how they kept up. That was their lineage, right? That's just like when somebody, you know, um, um, we take pride in who our father is. You know, we'll say, well, my father was so and so. That was their way of, of lining everything back. He says, I'm a Benjamite. That means I'm a Jew of Jews. But if you want to see the holy power of the Israel nation, use me as an example. My messing up, just like the Jews messing up. And he converted me what almost appears to be towards the end. Alright? So that's, that's going to be the first picture right here. Alright? We'll see Israel's future restoration and salvation in Zechariah. And we can we can look at that. Um, now I'm going to read all that. If you get an opportunity, take a look at Zechariah. Look, I'm going to reference a lot of Old Testament. That's going to be your assignment. The Old Testament references in here, take a look at it. All right? We'll spend a little time next week kind of talking about some of them. All right? Isaiah, Zechariah, Hosea. And, and, and once you kind of... Uh, I, I know it's going to seem like a lot, but if you kind of break it up, it won't, it won't, 
won't be that much. But I think you'll get a lot out of it when you're reading Romans 11. Of course, read Romans 11 if you're not done with it. <coughs> read Romans 11 and then go back to those references that are right here and here. Are right here on this PowerPoint. So the nation will see him as he returns. Recognize him as their Messiah. Repent and receive him. But just like with Paul. Paul went through those steps, right, after the Damascus Road experience. Same thing is going to happen for the Jewish nation. They're going to see him as he returns. We know Paul saw him, right? That's why Paul gets the, that's why he gets the nod as being an apostle. See, one of the criteria of being an apostle is you have to have seen Jesus. There's no apostle's name. Not, not a, there's no player as an apostle. So these folks that have apostle on the front of their name is, is Q. I mean, somebody can call me. I, I'm, you know. But one of the criteria of being an apostle is having a, a seen Jesus. And Paul, that's why Paul is considered one out of due time, because he saw Jesus on the Damascus Road. This experience is similar to that experience on the Damascus, Damascus Road. We talked about that. So Paul himself, when you talk about his conversion, that's, an, that's a symbol, if you will, of how the Lord will restore Israel. All right, that's the first witness Paul uses. The next witness that he uses is the prophet Elisha. Let's read that two through ten. <coughs> God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? Now he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. And I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself seven thousand men who have not bowed to the knee of Baal. Even so, then at this present time, there's a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. Seven. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Just as it's written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare, and a trap, and a stumbling block, and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow down their backs always. Okay. We know that Israel is God's election elect nation, right? Much of the next nation had rejected Christ, but this is no proof that God is not finished. Alright, let's let's, let's 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 understand this Elijah story. What did Elijah do? Elijah was a prophet. Old Testament prophet, right? Good prophet. Great work. He came one time and was about well, from Mount Mount Horeb, and he said, "What did he tell the Lord?" He said, "Lord, you can take me right now." They killed everybody that that loved him. Everybody that 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 loved the Lord and is part of this thing, they killed. And what did the Lord do? He said, "He he uh, said, get off your pity party." He had a little Bible and he said, really? He said, I've got what? 7,000. Because Elijah said, kill me. Kill me now. They're killing your prophets and I'm the only one left. He said, are you that arrogant? He said, I, you think I left this thing just with you? He said, I've got 7,000. 
that have not bathed. That seven means something, right? That's the number of completion, right? <laughs> so it's not by chance that he told me that. But he said, I have seven thousand that have not bathed. That's that remnant. There's never been a time where all the Israel nation has, has turned to God, right? But we understand that there's always been a remnant in place. That's that remnant. That's that elect right there. <coughs> And that shows us that he's not done with the Israel nation. Alright? He's got 7,000 that have not passed. God makes a distinction between Abraham's natural children and the, and the spiritual children. And again, we talked about that, right? We talked about how the Jews said, I'm a Jew, I'm circumcised, I'm good, I'm going to heaven. And Paul has said, no, nah, no, nah, that didn't get you into heaven. Just because so and so is your daddy, that doesn't get you into heaven. He says you're Jew, you're Jew by heritage, but you're not, you're not a Jew spiritually. Now I know I said probably just about every Sunday, but look, I I I go down there, I see your pictures and all that, and that's nice, and I, but none of that's gonna get you into heaven. Yeah. This right here, and maybe you may know them well, Princess. Yeah, that's that's us, that's her family. They won't get you into heaven. Yeah. They, they, won't, they could have prayed their behinds off, but they can't get you. Your heart, your heart has to be changed. My heart has to be changed and intruded. So he's saying there's a difference between being Abraham's natural child and being Abraham's spiritual child. The rest of the nation was hardened or blind. Blinded. That's a good part right there. When's the last time? Uh, let's see, who, who been in, who's been in uh, Sunday school with me? When did we see that idea about blinding? What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. When did we, when's the last time we heard blinding? Not even in Sunday school. <laughs> we're talking about blinding with Pharaoh. Right? Same thing right here. The Israel nation literally was blinded. God chose his remnant. He chose those that would want to have a heart for him. So same concept that we saw with Pharaoh. Look, it's easy for us to talk about blinding than other folks. But we talk about blinding within our circles, or even us. It's a little closer to the home, right? Pharaoh's easy. He's, he's, a, he's a Gentile. And now Paul says, no, 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 no. There's many of the Israel nations that blinded as well. <coughs> so Israel's spiritual blessings. Oh, no, no, I don't want to skip this. So this again was the result of the resistance of truth, just like Pharaoh. Right? <coughs> and we and we reference Psalms 69, 22, and 23, one of the most important messianic psalms. Alright? The table to become a snare means blessings turned into burdens and judgment. We talked about that, right? Again, it should have been a blessing. It became a stumbling block for me. When the law should have helped me and pointed me to let's use, let's use my feet. You, well, that fact right here, when I come in, I, I miss it sometimes. They got a daggone gun on it, right? Yep. And lights up. <laughs> you would think, I done been, they done had it about three months. You put that down. I'm going to slow down every time I come around that corner. <laughs> that right there was designed to slow me down so I don't get a ticket. I don't feel about 90% of the time. <laughs> I've almost become arrogant with 
Because I know a cop's not right there. Same thing with the Israelites when it came to the law. They were arrogant. And so what should have pointed them to Christ became a stumbling block. It became their safety blanket, the fact that they kept all the laws. I kept all my A through Zs, and so I've made me. So instead of me depending on, let's go back to my example, instead of me having good sense and knowing that I should be going 25 miles per hour whenever I'm right there in Wilmore in the neighborhood. It's now I've become arrogant now. And my security blanket is that I know that will slow me down and I know a cop's not right. Same thing with So Israel's spiritual blessings should have led them to Christ, but instead became a burden. Their religious practices became a substitution for a real salvation experience. Alright? The hardening is not total or final. That's the whole point of what we talked about. Hardness in part until the fullness of the Gentile comes in. Romans 11 and 25. We'll get into that. And again, see the Jewish remnant is, 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 is even in place today. Right? We still have a remnant in place. We know that the entire Jewish nation is not saved. So the Gentiles. So we've got Paul himself. We've got the prophet Elijah. Now let's see how the Gentiles uh, and, and, and God dealing with the Gentiles point to this idea that he's not done with the Israel nation. 11 through 15. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more are their fullness? For I speak to you, Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Alright? So let's kind of break some of this down. Paul again uses Gentiles to ensure Israel's future restoration. Jews rejected the gospel and God sent to the Gentiles and they believed and were saved. Alright? Let's watch, let's, let's watch how this unfolds. The, the Israel nation failed. That's 11. It was lost. That's 12. And it was cast away. 15. And I've already said it. Israel's fall of salvation came to the Gentiles. Alright? As a result, it's a little, it's a little high. As a result of that, all right. Jews rejected the gospel, and God sent to the Gentiles, and they believed, and they were saved. Old Testament, Old Testament promises to the Gentiles were linked to Israel's rise or entering of the kingdom. All right, we know the kingdom did not rise, so that means that we should have failed. Look what happened. However, Israel failed, and so God introduced a new fact in the church, right? Jews and Gentiles now are one in Christ. So Paul is saying that the, event, the kingdom program for Israel has not been abandoned. It's just been set aside into the plans are fulfilled. There's a set number, if you read this, there's a set number of Gentiles that must be saved. 
Think about that. God already has that number in place of Gentiles. That's that part of that fulfillment. And then once that number is fulfilled, then guess what God is going to turn his attention back to? The Israel nation. That's all that prophetic stuff. And you got some in Revelations and in those Old Testament, especially those prophets, that goes back to that. Right? So we talked about it. The Gentiles have a vital ministry to the Israelites. Right? They're, provo they're to provoke Israel to jealousy. Think about that. We literally have a ministry where we're supposed to literally walk in such a way. Not just the Jews, but the world itself. We know we're to walk a certain way. We're supposed to, they're supposed to look at that. And it's supposed to point them to the gospel. Israel is spiritually bankrupt. And Christians, per se, have all the spiritual blessing in Christ. That's Ephesians 1 and 3. Somebody read that real quick. Can somebody pull Ephesians 1 and 3? <coughs> and then ultimately, we understand that the Israel nation will be restored. That's that Jeremiah. You want to read that. We'll go we'll, we'll back to it next week. But Jeremiah 31, 35 through 37. It is clear that the nation will be restored. Does anybody have Ephesians 1 and 3? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heaven and in Yes. Yes. So again, the Gentiles uh, and God dealing with them points to how the Lord will restore Israel. The prophet Elijah points to the same thing and then um, uh, Paul himself. Then we also see God dealing with the patriarchs point to the fact that God is not through with Israel. 16 through 24. For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is as holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive tree, that's us, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But if you do both, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will then say, you will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said, because of the unbelief they were broken off. Those, those branches that are broken off were, were the Israelites, right? They were the first ones on now, then they were broken off. You, you stand by faith, do not be haughty, but fear. For God did not spare the natural branches, the natural branches of the Israelites, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and the severity of God on those who fail, severity, but toward you, goodness. If you continue in his goodness, otherwise, you also will be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature, into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will those who are natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? Okay. I know it sounds, you got a lot of, lot of stuff in there, but it really, the illustration uh, really is a simple one for you. Paul looks to the past to show Israel's spiritual heritage using two separate illustrations, right? The lump of dough. Right? That's in 16a. 
The first part of the dough was offered to God as a symbol that the entire lump itself belonged to him. Right? That's the idea of the first fruit. And that goes back to number 15, 17, 17 through 21. So if, I, if I've got part of the dough, right, that is in place, then all the dough is, is, is brought into it, if you will. Alright? God accepts the part and he sanctifies the whole as a result of the part. Alright? So again, what does that do with the patriarch? I've given my promise to Isaac and Abraham. You're a descendant of Isaac and Abraham, of the Jews are, and so because of that promise, you're ushered in. Alright? Again, we're talking about the Israel nation. We're talking about the Israel nation. God accepts the part and he sanctifies the whole. So just like God accepted Abraham and his descendants. <coughs> the olive tree. Again, this is a symbol of the nation of Israel. The picture was not individuals, but the place of Israel and the plan of God. The root of the tree supports the tree, right? The patriarchs who founded the nation. God made covenants with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And because he made it, he cannot deny it. Alright? Many Jews did not believe. And Paul pictures as branches broken off that tree. So those are the branches that we talked about were, were, were came off, right? He sees other branches, which are us, being grafted into the tree. That's us. Right? And we're the ones that are the unnatural ones, right? Contrary. That's us. The wild branches are, are the Gentiles into the good tree. The olive tree is not the church. It, what it does is show the relationship between Jews and Gentiles in the program of God. Keep in mind there's actually no distinction within the church. Alright? So the breaking off of the branches is equal to the fall, the diminishing, and the casting away of nations, not individuals. And again, Paul warns us not to be boastful. We entered into God's plan because of faith. Let's look at this last part. So we just showed how the patriarchs itself point to God's holding power to Israel nation. Let's now see how God himself um, shows that. And Paul makes it quite clear. It's the character of God. Because God said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. Right? 25 through 36, and then we'll be done. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel to the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. That's that fullness I was talking about, right? Israel nation will be blinded as a nation until every Gentile that God has numbered makes it in. And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written. The delivery will come out of Zion, and he will turn away. Ungodliness from Jacob. Jacob is Israel, right, in this, in this instance. But this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the Father. They will always be the elect. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. God is, God changes not, right? That's not a God. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so these also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you they also may obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to disobedience, that he may have mercy on all. 
Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has become his counselor, or who has first given to him, and it shall be repaid to him. For of him and through him, and to him are all things, to him be glory forever. Amen. How does God himself point to the restoration of Israel? We talk about his God, really his character, and that sums it all up. But we see God's timing, right? The hardening of, hardening of Israel as a nation is not total or final. It will last into the fullness of the Gentiles and the Israel nation itself. In this age, God is visiting the Gentiles and building the church. At the end of the course, God will deal more with the nation of Israel. All right? And you can go through that and see all those until verses. God's promises point to it. Right? God has promised to save his people and will keep his promise. God's covenant, again, this is a continuation of Isaiah 59, but it emphasizes the emphasis on the covenant of God with Israel. God's nature, I want to talk about that. God does not change. If he promised it, it would come to fruition. Israel's rejection does not change God's consistency. God's grace. Paul reminded the saved Gentiles that they had spiritual obligation to Israel to provoke them to jealousy. God saves Jews by his grace today and can do it in the future. Right? Again, we know that individual Jews are still being saved. Don't leave here saying, hey, now, they're Jew being saved. No. Individual Jews can still be saved. But we're talking about the restoration of the entire nation. God chose the Jews, chose the Jews so Gentiles can be saved. Israel became exclusive and failed to share the truth with the Gentiles. God declared both Jews and Gentiles to be lost and in need of the cross. And finally, God's wisdom. And that was the last part. Um, and I like how, um, where, where did we get it? He says, theology becomes a doxology. And Paul, in 33 through 36, sings a hymn of praise. All right? Israel will go from Paul's fullness at Christ's return. Make sense? Any questions? I know there's a lot in there. I know it's heavy. But go back and read it. Take a look at some of those Old Testament references that I have, especially the one in Zechariah. Uh, that's a good one, Israel. And, and, and a lot of it points to um, stuff that is not taking place yet. Okay, so you have to read it like that. Any questions? Any concerns? Again, we focus in on God's restoration of the Israel nation even in spite of their rejection. God, again, we thank you for this opportunity of this study. We thank you, Father God, that we tackle these, these hard truths, Father God. And we continue to send the Spirit, Father God. And so just thank you that uh, in spite of the heaviness of it, Father God, that we've had a heart to learn. And so because of that, Father God, just, uh, just thank you for the growth. And I can already see it, Father God. I can see it even in myself. And so I just thank you. I pray, God, that a special blessing over all those that are assembled here. Praying, God, for those that join us even online. A blessing, Father God, again, as we uh, many spend time with family and friends uh, over the next few days. We pray for those, Father God, that are alone. We pray for those that are in the midst of depression. And see, your sunset, God, we ask all these things. Thank you for Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thank you all. Look, y'all enjoy. Enjoy this season. All right?
Enjoy, enjoy this turkey and ham.